0: so how are you?" Isn't it funny uh, how we, instead of saying hello often, we say, how are you? So that inquiry after health is, is, is a normal everyday greeting. Of course, we don't really mean, how are you? We don't really expect to get told how the person, could you imagine that? Yeah. How are you? Oh, well. Uh, just getting over a cold, a bit of an upset stomach over Christmas, feeling a bit emotionally insecure about my work, um, you know, psycholog- it would just take forever. We don't mean it, do we? Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, how are you? So health is sort of seeped into our everyday conversation, and of course it, it defines so much of our life. In neutral, children's health, is obsessively looked at if they're the right size, if they're coming along well. There's no more. There's more data on children in utero than the medical science can actually handle. We know so much about children in utero, and of course, health usually usually sets the limits of our lives. When health fails, we die. Uh, health also dominates how we live our life between between that birth and that death. Uh, it uh, determines our role in education. How much we educate is sometimes determined by our health. Our relationships might in some way be impacted by our health or the health of our partner. It affects our mobility, our, way, our how we get around. It affects our ability to work and earn money and engage in the world outside the home. Health really dominates Absolutely every element of our life. In fact, I think it would be easier to say what health has got nothing to do with than to say what health has got to do with. And it's a big political topic as well Um, the NHS, how money is spent, what drugs you get. Health dominates everything in almost all places, except I feel in churches. I think churches have got a strange relationship with health and healing. Some churches have you know, great healing ministries, engage with good, uh, theologically healthy pastoral ministry, but often health and healing tends to be that bit of the intercessions, doesn't it? When there's a list of names. And uh, sometimes people are added, sometimes people are taken off. That's often how churches deal with health. Um, but even worse, sometimes health is a difficult, uh, ambivalent or even difficult topic in church. I really prayed for him but he died. God doesn't listen to my prayers. Difficult, really difficult questions to answer. People are scared to ask them and we're often very scared to answer those questions as well. So as Elizabeth mentioned, I run the Guild of Health and St Raphael. And when I tell people I run an ecumenical Christian healing organisation, I often just sort of step back and check out the body language. Do they think I'm a nutter? Is the first thing I'm looking at. Um, Often, not often, sometimes, um, people get really defensive uh, and suspicious of what I do or what I talk about when I talk about healing. And I think to myself, have they been subject to some poor, have they had a bad experience along the way? Has somebody said, uh, oh, pray really hard and, and you'll get better? Or you didn't get better. You didn't pray hard enough. Have they had a bad experience of health and healing in the church? Why are they so angry with what I do? Other people are ambivalent. You know, really? Really? If you're ill, you go to the doctor or the hospital. They're not going to come to the Guild of Health. They're not going to pop into church if they've got a cold or something worse. You know, really, what is the point of what you do? And other people, um, sometimes I have the experience of people uh, saying I run a healing ministry and I get a list of symptoms um, or I get stories and they think that I've got some kind of magical answer. I can cast a spell and make it all better. And what do these experiences tell us? Well, first of all, and really importantly, health and healing is not a laughing matter. People are in pain and people are desperate. And so behind those odd reactions, there are often real stories of pain. It also tells us that the healing ministry in the Christian church has had a checkered past Um, particularly uh, in uh, the charismatic renewal in the 60s and 70s, um, did a lot of harm, I think, to the healing ministry. Lots of good, but lots of harm as well. When people tie in too closely together the concepts of sin and illness, that's too tightly bound together um, then people can be harmed. I could start a whole ministry, healing, bad healing ministries, and I wouldn't be out of work. And what I think it also tells us, is that health and healing is not done well in church um, and is not seen as an important part of our ministry. Um, uh, But it should be. Our Lord commanded us, one of the chief commands of our Lord was to go out, make disciples and heal the sick. It's there in all the gospels, in different versions. We were commanded, we were commissioned as friends of Jesus, just like the original 12 disciples we are commanded to heal. From Luke's Gospel we read, Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So from the very earliest days, the church was asked by Jesus to do two things. Proclaim the kingdom of God, make new believers, baptise, grow the kingdom, and heal the sick. Now today I think you, you might want to come back and ask questions about this. I think we're better at the first. I think we're great, we're good at mission, we're more comfortable with growth. We can count growth. Bums on seats, isn't it, on a Sunday morning or however you want to, to count it. Um, we're more comfortable with uh, economic, an economic challenge. Let's grow our church, grow the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with that. I think we are, however, less comfortable with healing. Or more ambivalent about it. So, in this workshop, um, I want to ask three questions, or I've divided it into three areas. The first is What is the healing ministry? What does the Bible say about healing? What did Jesus do? And what do they tell us about healing today? I think it's vitally important to understand our biblical foundations. What was he doing? Uh, what was Jesus doing? And what healthy theology can we. Um, um, Put our confidence in, for as churches and individuals, in doing healing. So that's the first question. I'm going to look at that in the first half before tea. After tea, a look at um, how does Christian spiritual healing fit into the modern world? We've got science. We've got medicine. We've got GPs. We've got doctors. We've got specialisms. We've got New Age alternatives. Uh, for health and healing. Acupuncture, hypnotherapy, all this. We've got a lot on the health landscape. Where does Christian spiritual healing fit into that? And I'm going to argue that we're not just another stall in the marketplace, but what we have with our theology and our history, we have something better because we have the resurrection of Christ. So that's where I'm going with that. And finally, what role can each and every one of us play in healing? I think we all have a role to play uh, there is. A, I can see a seat by there. Um, we, I think we all have a role to play. It's not just for the special ones with the dog. In fact, I could hardly find the dog collar this morning. I hardly ever wear dog collars um, because I want to make the point that the healing ministry is a ministry of all people. So I'm going to um, look at how we can all be engaged in this in this ministry. And my overall thesis um, that I want to present to you is. That command of Christ to grow the kingdom and to heal are not two separate activities. You know, healing on a Sunday, something else on a Monday. They are one and the same. They're the mission of God, the Missio Dei, and our churches and communities that the churches are trying to serve are crying out for the healing ministry the church can offer. offer. And we can all be involved in offering that healing ministry, answering the need in the community. And, as a byproduct, we will we will grow the church. People will come. The mission of God is to grow and to heal. I'm going to um, do some questions probably at the end, and if time's okay, during the middle of what I'm saying. Um, and I asked Elizabeth that people sometimes like to do group discussions or things like that. I'm not going to do that today. Healing can be uh, really personal, and I think if, if uh, we're going through difficult times, it can be a really emotive thing. So. Um, Share what you want to share. Um, We're not going to break break in groups, but I'm going to try to offer plenty of time for questions as well. So my first first topic, what is the healing ministry? Is it just something we engage in to get better? Like popping to the doctors. So, but as I suggested earlier, the healing ministry is not just another place to visit to get better. Every time I say get better, I'm gonna go like this. and later we're going to relate it to uh, the the theology of healing to science and medicine. Um, And that ambivalence, that people sometimes feel about the healing ministry, I think is a result of um, poor theology and poor experience. So the churches have become a bit sensitive, a bit wary of engaging with the healing ministry uh, and has also lost confidence. Um, A friend of mine, as uh, uh, a vicar in London, and he's uh, on the synod, and we trained together. And uh, he was—he's quite disabled. He had a, um, an illness that meant he got little bony spurs on some of his bones, and he got them on his spine. He was paralysed because of it in, as a late teenager, and he taught himself to walk. And he walks with two sticks. He's able to get around. He's an extraordinary, extraordinary chap, and has gone on to achieve a lot um, in his church and in theology. But he tells a story. When he was um, in the crypt of a cathedral somewhere, about to be ordained deacon, and one of the other fellow ordinands came up to him and said, I can't believe we're ordaining you. You're so obviously sinful. Because he had outward um, signs of his uh, disability. (laughs) Surely that is not what we mean by healing ministry. Surely that's not... It's not some simple equation between praying hard, getting better, It's some kind of economic exchange of prayers for health. So it's really important, I feel, that we do, do our theology, go back to the sources. What did Jesus do around healing? Let's draw from that a decent theology, a better than that chap in the crypt. And you'll be familiar with many of the stories from our Bible, the woman with uh, hemorrhages Uh, My favourite, the man lowered from the roof by his friends to the feet of Jesus. Uh, The Gerizine demoniac, the leper, uh, the blind, blind Bartimaeus, the only one actually given a name that was healed. That remote healing of the centurion's son. The part for lectionary, we hear them quite often in church, a key part of the teaching. Now my first point is I want to say that um, I believe these were real healings. There's been a movement within 20th century theology for some theologians to discount them as actual miraculous events. Instead, they looked for cultural or spiritual interpretations. For example, um, the the person was healed and therefore felt reconciled with God, and the physical bit of it didn't really matter. Now, some theologians will put that point across. But I would like to argue, on the other side of the uh, bridge with this, that the miraculous healings of Jesus were just that. In his day, miraculous healings. And because of that, we learned theologically something about who Jesus was. He, he, He healed people in real time along the way. They also had deeper spiritual interpretations. They told us about who Jesus was in terms of his relationship with God, his power to heal and so on. But they were real. So in that interpretation, we're having our cake and we're eating it. We're, we're saying they were both real and both, and had deeper meaning. Uh, like many theologians, I also want to argue that the healings, they show us who Jesus was, what, he, what healing meant. Um, but let's just stick with the physicality um, of the healings for a moment, because it doesn't make sense if they weren't real healings. So for example, in Luke 17, the Samaritan, uh, the Samaritan was healed. He saw that he was healed uh, of leprosy. Now, this wasn't just a passing observation, uh, a mere detail of the story um, uh, that would have led that man you know, off to some greater social acceptance or showed the power of Jesus or whatever. Um, in order to get back into the temple, according to Levitical law, the priest would have had to examine his body. So it's not a, it's not a small detail. Uh, it, it does matter to the story that he was actually physically healed. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had... Uh, uh, access to the temple, wouldn't have reconnection with his community, reconnection with God. It is both a spiritual healing, a social healing, a psychological healing, but a real physical healing. In Mark 2 we had the paralytic paralytic, um, healing. Now that wasn't just a psychological healing. He got up, picked up his mat and walked. Um, Important that we note that Jesus actually healed people in real time. I see no reason to doubt this was the case. Um, we can't actually go back right back to the day can't get scientific data but I see no reason to doubt that these were real uh, genuine physical healings. Um, and indeed if they weren't, I find it hard to imagine how they demonstrate anything. Um, so the healings are typically demonstrate Jesus power to save the soteriological explanation, a power to offer salvation that Jesus um, was in relationship with God the Father, therefore healed, the cosmological explanation of the healing, but they were also physical. They don't make sense unless they were actual, real physical healings. The other meanings we can derive from them don't make any sense. So what do they tell us about Jesus, these healings? We've established that, they're real, that, I, I, in my, that I believe they're real. They're, it is important to, to draw out some information about Jesus to understand the ongoing work of healing in the church. So what do we learn about Jesus as healer? They were acts of mercy and compassion. Jesus was, uh, was was a compassionate, emotional healer. He was drawn by his feelings into these situations. Um, in Mark 1, the, the leper says, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I want. Jesus wanted to help. He wanted to intervene. He was drawn by his compassion uh, to heal those who were in pain. In the story of blind Bartimaeus um, the, the sick have limited access of course to temple to work to income and they suffered stigma as a result of their physical illnesses um, and so when Jesus healed provided the physical healing he was doing that but also so much more he was restoring them to life in the broadest way to full interaction with religious life, with work, with income generation, and be able to rejoin the community. He was moved by compassion to do this. Compassion motivated him to heal. So Jesus was a compassionate healer. In many of the healing stories, there's also the sense that the healings of Jesus showed that his time had come. There was an expectation at that time of a Messiah. It was prophesied about, particularly in I Am... Um, uh, the, the prophecy of Isaiah, that there would be miracles um, when the Messiah came along. So these, the healing miracles are seen as a fulfillment of that. This is the one you've been waiting for. Um, this is the one about whom John the Baptist proclaimed, are you the one who is to come? In the healing, there's a breaking in, a breaking in of God, a, break, uh, um, a consummation of what was expected. And the third thing about Jesus' healings was they proclaimed the kingdom. the person of Jesus um, with his words to heal, proclaimed the kingdom. Jesus' words, his spoken words, a proclamation um, of him. What came out of his mouth um, healed those he went to, uh, he, he met along the way, pronouncing forgiveness, and then healing often is two acts: forgiving the sin and then healing the person, restoring them, uh, reconciling them back to their community. So Jesus' healings tells us about who Jesus was, a man of compassion who wanted to help. He was eschatological, the one they were waiting for, something to do with the breaking of the kingdom. And cosmological, this is a man of God, tells you about his relationships with God. So this is what they tell us about the person of Jesus. Um, what do they tell us about healing? How do they relate to healing in our own day? Well, firstly, an important element of many of the healing stories is that they weren't sort of private things. They weren't often private things that Jesus did. They were often people standing around, bystanders who were witnessing the healing. And what they made of the event is important. It had an impact on them. They, they weren't the ones whose blindness was healed or leprosy. Uh, was um, was healed, but they were changed by the experience of seeing Jesus the healer. In Mark 5, the witnesses to healing were overcome in amazement. Um, so from that we can draw out the healings, the healings of Christ are not bound to Christ's day. We can read and reflect upon the healing miracles and be changed by them and find healing in them. We're drawn into these stories of healing and can find healing ourselves in them. Also the healing miracles, they, they lack a lot of specific, they're not very specific, I can never say that word. Um, they don't go into much detail about the illness. I've already said it, that only one person, uh, Bartimaeus, was ever named. Uh, the healing miracles of Jesus are universalized. The lepers are declared clean, the dead are raised, the blood flow stopped. Not that much about the ill. Not that many details. Um, they're far more interested in the healing miracles. About how they're much more about how the healthy cube community interpreted those who were ill. It was far more a problem for the healthy people than for the ill people. In a way, it was all about um, the boundaries they set up. You know, the, the ill weren't allowed into the community. weren't allowed into the temple, um, so that. The healing miracles are much more about re-entering community, removing the taboo. The, the experience of being oppressed, of being marginalized, of being sidelined is healed. The psychological effect of illness rather than the illness himself is being healed um, in the healing miracles of Christ. There's often an element of forgiveness and reconciliation in the gospel stories. The one where the man's lowered by his friends um, to the feet of Jesus and Jesus perceiving some kind of inner alienation, inner problems forgives him and then heals him. The two are not linked together in that situation. For Jesus uh, in that story and in others, healing is about her- re-finding a harmonious relationship for the ill, whether that was re-entering into community, where that, if that was reconnection with a body that's well. Um, they were, they were taken from a place of alienation and illness and suffering to full participation in the community. Therefore, Jesus' healings are about restoration of relationship and inclusion in the community. As Rowan Williams says, it's, healing is the bridging of a gulf between spirit and alienated flesh, as well as a restoration of health. Although health, what that means might be different for each person. In reconnection into the community, the gospel healings are always broader than a simple physical healing. And I think we can reflect on this in our own experience. I wonder if you've ever had the experience of being with somebody as they die. Um, And sometimes people have very peaceful deaths or enter a state of um, spiritual calm and acceptance that in a way helps everyone around them uh, deal with what's going on and their body's never going to be better. There's no sense that uh, there's no expectation that we will offer a physical healing in that way, but the person is um, reconciled to what's going through them, and uh, they can find peace. Um, another example is I, I had cancer when I was 21, and went through six months of chemotherapy, and went into remission, which was a great a great thing, obviously. Um, but I really struggled in remission to find uh, to find peace. I didn't um, know what to do with my life, I suffered depression, and I was really unhappy. And so, when, and when I talk about my healing from cancer, I don't talk about the day the doctor told me I was in remission, I talk about a process which took seven years of reflecting on my experience, about having some, uh, some therapy, or letting, the, letting it heal, it took a much longer time. So my body was better. But it took seven years for me to find much, much deeper emotional and spiritual healing of the event. Um, and perhaps of people in your lives or um, situations you've been involved in, that healing is actually something which is not just, not just about the physical. It means something deeper. Because when I think we're talking about healing, what we're really investigating uh, is how, how we live, how we live well. So healing is about identifying what it means to be human. Healing is part of the experience of living in bodies that sometimes go wrong, but we can use those experiences to find out really how to live, how we can uh, use the experience of ill health um, <coughs> to think about um, our relationship with God and to becoming uh, a holy, how to become well, holy, how to become whole. Uh, so I think with this, we're moving towards, we looked at the what Jesus did in the healing, what the healings might mean spiritually, we're lo- moving towards a definition of Christian spiritual healing. Um, but what do we mean? What do we mean by health? I think that now that's we get a whole workshop on what do we think we mean by health? What does that really mean? Is it is it some kind of perfective per- perfect state? The World Health Organization define health as a complete physical, mental, and social well-being. Not merely the absence of disease or infirmity, okay? A complete physical, mental, and social well-being. So what, what's wrong with that? Well, first of all, it doesn't, doesn't say anything by spirituality, okay? Complete physical, mental, and social well-being. No, no mention of spirituality. And actually, can anyone ever achieve that? No, that's actually, for me, that's the definition of salvation. That's what I'm hoping happens you know, after death, um, so the, the, but this is, this is what the secular organization defines, that's what apparently we're all going for. A Christian definition of health, I think that looks really different, um, and something along the lines of, we are a mind, body, spirit, designed to be in relationship with God and a harmony with self, so that feels really different from the World Health Organization definition. Another way into thinking about um, what is health is to look at the different definitions of disease and illness. They both come from sickness, um, but there's a difference I think between disease and illness. Now disease is, um, I suggest, the objectively scientifically measured, measurable state of ill health. So disease is the cancer cell multiplying, that's a problem in a body, or a broken down kidney, or a chemical imbalance. They're diseases. Uh, Illness, on the other hand, is the subjective experience of the disease. It's the story. It's the story that lies behind your medical records or your diagnosis. Uh, Illness is what you say when somebody you really trust says, how are you? How are you really? Then you'll tell them maybe about illness and the experience of having a disease. Um, So perhaps we can then say, The disease is cured, but illness is healed. So I think it's illness and healing, that's a side of it that we're looking at in Christian spiritual healing. Two examples from the movies. I don't know how, it's an older movie now, but Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. Has anyone seen that film? It was in the 90s, wasn't it? Uh, So that was a film with, um, Tom Hanks played a lawyer, Andrew Beckett. I think it was based on a true story. Um, The lawyer, Andrew, had um, HIV AIDS through homosexual activity, and he was fired by, from his law firm. Um, and he went on and died, but the film is really about how Andrew finds healing in his relationships with his friends and partner, and um, the healing he got through suing his employers for unfair discrimination. And, and um, very moving film. That's uh, finding healing from an illness a good way to think about it. The other one, more recent one that um, I find too sad to watch actually, um, but it's My Sister's Keeper with Cameron Diaz. Have you seen that film? It's, um, it's, a, it's a really sad film, but it's about um, a child who's got leukemia, and the mother, I think they skipped over the science, um, but the mother had another child who was designed to be an organ donor for the ill child, and then uh, the, the healthy younger child um, refused to give her kidney at the crucial moment, and the mother was very cross about this, and um, it turns out that the, the ill child had asked her sister not to give the kidney, because she was sick of being ill. And the film was about helping the mother come to terms with the child that must die, and the, ch- other, the younger child who wanted to flourish and live a good life. So it's all about healing that entire family. Um, but I can't watch it without you know breaking down. It's a very sad film. Um, but that really is about the, sort of the healing we're talking about when it comes to spiritual healing. So part of the story might be the disease is ridded when we talk about healing, but in the Christian tradition there might be more to it. And it's also concurrently about healing the illness and the experience of suffering, the suffering caused by illness, of isolation, psychological pain, um, and uh, uh, spiritual um, disharmony. Simone Weil was a French um, political activist, a theologian, and a bit of a mystic. And she talked about suffering, if suffering involves um, psychological suffering, physical suffering, social suffering, she called it affliction. Um, And that affliction is a type of suffering, yep. Affliction, affliction. And affliction is a type of suffering that leaves a trace upon one's soul. Um, which I find a very moving account of, of serious illness, how we can get around describing the experience of being seriously ill. So, for example, cancer causes physical suffering, but also psychological suffering, you're worrying about dying, social suffering, you look different, you can't interact with society, affliction. And I think Christian spiritual healing is a type of healing that works particularly well on affliction, about helping people find healing in all sorts of different levels. There are books resting on the definition of what healing is. Um, I've, on your handout, I've put my working definition, um, which is a, you know, a work in progress. So Christian spiritual healing is, does not necessarily mean getting better, but is an experience which leads to a holistic positive change in self-identity and an increase in well-being. It's a transformational experience in which the ill are reconciled with our imago Dei, our image of God inside us, our status as beloved children of God, when we resonate with God's love and peace. Part of the transformation might be a sense that we see the world anew, that we have a new vision, a new purpose. It's a life-giving transformation, which leads to a reframing of circumstance. Healing is about reconnection, reconciliation, and human flourishing. Now I love the word, human flourishing, I think is a much better word than healing. It says so much more. Uh, Neil, on your bibliography, Neil Messer um, is a theologian. He's written a lot on human flourishing. It's very good. Um, So I'm drawing a lot on his work here. So Christian flourishing slash healing is about the pursuit of health, is less about the pursuit of health at all costs and more about fulfilling the purpose of our lives. That's what it means to flourish. Health is good, not saying otherwise, Health is needed to do an awful lot of things, but health needs to be placed in our eschatological perspective. We're going to die. You know, you're not going to buy a health and well-being magazine in January that mentions that, but it's a fact, and we can deal with it so well within the Christian faith. So, health. Now Karl Barth, sorry Bonhoeffer said that health is our penultimate goal, not our ultimate one. And I quite like that. It's not saying that there's anything wrong with being healthy. Health is our penultimate goal, not our ultimate one. Neil Messer rests a lot of his work on Karl Barth, the Protestant theologian, who writes that health is the strength of human life, but only part of the story, whereas human flourishing encompasses every aspect of our existence, our loving, our working, our living and our dying. We can talk about human flourishing in all of those, whereas we can't really talk about health in the same way. So Barth's view is that a human being flourishes when there is physical and mental integration, when we have that kind of mind, body, and soul connection, when we're connected to God and God's good purpose for us. If we can get that right, we can flourish. That's the aim of the spiritual life, is getting that connection with ourselves, with our bodies, with our mental and um, social lives, and ultimately with God. That is when we flourish, and that's God's good purpose for us. The disease threatens that flourishing. Medicine has one answer to disease. Um, but there are other answers in the Christian tradition. If we take and, and further, I think, um, with the definition of flourishing, I think the ill are not sidelined. I think often in um, secular world, the ill are pretty useless, or in hospital, they can't do much. But in a view of human, human life, which is about helping people to flourish, the ill have as full a part to play in everything as the well do because there is a potential to flourish irrespective of what's going on with your physical body. Health will of course end, but we have a perspective on that as people who believe in the resurrection of Christ an ambivalence to death because we believe in the resurrection of Christ um, that can be helpful. When it comes to how to live and how to flourish. Um, so in the next section, um, having given uh, a theology of health and healing based on, on the Bible and Jesus's, um, Jesus' healing, um, I'm going to move on after the tea break um, to where does Christian spirituality and healing uh, sit alongside uh, science and medicine and what role can we all play. But I wonder if we had any questions. We do sort of 15 minutes of questions at this point before we break up for tea. So uh, the gentleman at the back was asking a question about, um, in the gospel stories, often the ill were seen to be uh, sinful or Jesus had to forgive them um, before um, physical healing, before he performed a healing miracle. Is that about right? So, and adding to that, so part B: Are you ill because you sinned? Um, and I thank you for asking the question. It's uh, a bit that I skated over. I skated over quite quickly um, because uh, not because I have a fear around answering the question, but because I feel it's quite a complicated question. In the past, a lot of harm has been done in healing ministries when sickness is to be seen as entirely due to uh, sin. Uh, so. In the, Bible, in the time of um, the Bible was written, uh, the time of Jesus' um, work, medicine was less far progressed so um, people didn't know why you got ill, why there was contagion, why there was germs, why there was infection and cancer and so on. Um, so a link between sin and suffering was made. Uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, the link between sin and suffering was entire was entirely joined together so people um, because it didn't understand medicine so much and indeed the sacrament of anointing was seen simply as um, a good passage to heaven so forgive whatever's going on so that they could get to heaven so it has been very much linked together however there's other interpretations of what's going on um, in terms of reconnection into community um, but having said all that, um, modern psychology will tell us, maybe your own experience. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of going and confessing your sins in a sacramental way to a priest. I've done it a few times and you know what? I feel better afterwards. It's very uncomfortable, but somehow in going and telling, and then they, then they say the words, you are forgiven. You feel better. You feel like a weight's been taken. It feels physical. A Weight's been taken off your shoulders. And, um, and modern psychology, has shown that, you know, being open about what you've done in the past can be healing. And I'm going to talk a bit more in the next section about um, how how it can be the, uh, participation in religious activities um, can change your brain structure so that you're more likely to get better. You can improve your immune system, psychoneuroimmunology will tell us. Um, so you know, maybe the earliest writers weren't too far from the truth when they linked the two together. Um, However, I wouldn't emphasise it within a healing ministry. Uh, there's lots of reasons people get ill. The um, psychological burden may be one of them, and certainly sin takes us away from God. And if we have a conception of health and healing that is about integration with the divine, if we have done something that is impeding that, then it needs. Then forgiveness can help. Um, I just wouldn't see it as a an economic kind of exchange, forgiveness will make me better. It's much more complicated than that. And it's very interesting, so the uh, lady at the front was sort of saying that the social stigma of illness is still there. Um, people often don't know what to say to the ill. Uh, and sometimes say the wrong thing. I, I have an experience of when I was receiving chemotherapy in Aberdeen Hospital, I was in a room full of much older people, um, an older lady came up at the end and I'm sure she, de- she was trying to be nice. But what she said was, she sort of patted my hand and saying, well, I'm old, dear, but what have you done to deserve this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, nothing, neither of you. I mean, but how interesting our language around um, sin and illness is so entwined together. And the experience also of people, you know, if you're bald and have no eyebrows, people don't know what to say and sometimes make it worse, but sometimes not saying anything mm. can be equally isolating. And the mental health um, component um, of people who, when they're ill and when they're trying to get better, is, is enormous. Everyone I t- so, um, with the Guild of Health, we work um, with public health, with mental health professionals, psychologists, psychotherapists. We work with a number of retreat centres that specialise in breakdown. And everyone I keep asking, you know, is mental health getting worse? Or is it some facet of how we're measuring it? Maybe we're more open about it. But everyone I talked to said it is getting worse. Um, and when I ask, then I say, well, bye And their answer is often just what you've articulated. Um, the pressure to be perfect, our hyper-connectivity, our breakdown in, um, in actual real community, um, so lived-in community where we're living in, um, and so on, is producing more mental health problems. Um, but I think body image is a lot of it. I mean, in January, you have umpteenth magazines telling you how to you know, get your, get your per- 2019 your best year yet. Uh, which is just about looking beautiful, and there was a poster campaign a few years ago um, on the. I think it, I don't know if it was nationwide, but certainly in London, and it said, "Are you beach body ready?" And they had a woman mm-hmm. in the bikini, and there was this great sort of countercultural thing that women were like scrawling on these posters on the underground, saying, "My body's fine as it is," and all that. And they were taken down eventually, um, uh, but I think yeah, there is a huge breath. And, and I'm not a mental health professional, but talking to those who are. Um, is definitely on the rise, and particularly amongst, amongst young people as well, and it's frightening. So I think the potential to do damage uh, with look at, looking at the Bible to understand um, mental health problems today is, is almost without limit. Um, I think there's, there's no understanding of mental health. Um, and as I'll say this, later on this afternoon, um, uh, now we have a medical understanding, or some understanding of mental health. Uh, processes um, and understand that we all have mental health. We all have mental health as we have physical health. We're all up and down spectra all the time when it comes to that um, and that there are particular mental health illnesses. So um, The Bible is not a medical handbook. It is not even a simply historic manual either. There are lots of different texts that require interpretation, that are written for different reasons, um, not to say that they can't have meaning in our day, but they certainly not. It's not a textbook in how in and in how we might want to heal today. All medicine is a gift from God, um, I, I believe. So, so nothing particular. Um, but if I given the? You know, I, I might have said um, or given the impression that mental and physical um, illnesses were related. Um, I didn't mean to make that um, make that link. <coughs> um, but certainly, mental health um, illnesses. And um, whether they're curable or not, or or long-term like schizophrenia, or different, I mean, even there's no one clear definition of what depression is, Um, there's different understandings of it. But irrespective of all that, a a definition of Christian spiritual healing, which is about flourishing whatever the state of your mind or body, still counts, whether it's a cancer cell that you can see on an x-ray, or a mental illness that you can't point to anywhere. There are all, all types of suffering. Uh, that the Christian spiritual he- ministry, Christian spiritual, Christian healing ministry, can say something about. We have one more question, and then we're going to have tea. Uh, so, um, the lady was asking the links between healing and flourishing, and and how there's sort of a time. It, sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it's instant. Um, and uh, what I'd like to say is that you know, healing most often isn't instant and miraculous. It does happen, I've heard stories, I've seen things and experienced things, but that's not the normal way God appears to interact in our world. That's not the normal way God appears to heal us. I'm not discounting the possibility, it's just not the normal. Um, And uh, Often for many people healing takes a long time um, and it goes up and down. So if I have a week talking to everyone about cancer, I've written a book about cancer. I often speak about it. Um, sometimes I just do too much, or I see something on the TV, and I and you know I'm upset again. I had um, I found a lump last month, and I was devastated. I you know the whole, my whole world ended. Um, now I've written a book about this subject. And I talk publicly about healing and cancer. It's not and and um, but that doesn't make it better. I still fear. What's going on? So um, I wouldn't want to give the um, the wrongful impression that just because you find some kind of flourishing that that's it forever. Um, For me, when I talk about flourishing, is that I I think that um, in my own experience, cancer really um, that afflicted who I was as a person. Um, When I got better, when I went back into remission, when I went into remission, went back to my normal life. I found I didn't fit anymore. You know you get those children's toys where you've got to put the the square through the square hole and the circle through. So I felt like I was jamming myself into a hole that I used to fit really nicely into and I didn't fit anymore because cancer had changed who I was. So I had to spend a lot of time and effort trying to work out who I was now. How had this experience changed who I was? Changed my relationship with my body, with my friends, with my parents, with God. I had changed. And once I was able to Um, once I spent time thinking about that praying about it, asking God to heal me then I I gradually felt like I fitted in that hole again or fitted in a new hole and that I was able to live with more peace Um, so that would be another kind of explanation of Christian healing um, where then we can talk about living and flourishing